Hello and welcome to the Betches Sup Podcast. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Brian Russell Smith. And for those of you who are just tuning in, the Betches Sup Podcast is your weekly rundown of all the crazy shit that's happened in the news, explained by your two funniest friends, which, which is, is us. us. We read the news <laughs> so you don't have to. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> So, it's a special it's a special month. It is a special month. It's pride. Uh, yeah, that's actually what is getting me through the month, let alone the week. Yeah. It's very exciting. Happy pride. Have you Happy done pride. any Have you have you been proud yet? Have you had time? I mean, I've been super gay these past couple days. <laughs> that is true. Brian has really been turning it up. <laughs> <laughs> By turning it up, I mean turning people on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so actually it's really exciting at the end of this podcast we have an interview with uh founding members of voices for uh mm-hmm. vinnie mandelaire and adam eli yes uh it's really great interview it's really enlightening they they started it they basically do any like a lot of like activism you yeah. guys will hear about it at the end but just make sure you stick around and yeah. listen to it to hear what they're doing hear ways that you can support and get involved if you're in new york they have meetups in new york and yeah. um for those of you who heard uh we get into some information about the supreme court baker case mm-hmm. the ruling that came out yeah, this it, week it, this- it, 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 the news broke right as we were about to record yes. so we talked about it uh, the bit. supreme court ruled in favor of the that baker who like refused to bake a cake for a gay couple. And we get into that and what it means and a lot of information about what's going on in Chechnya in the interview at the end of this podcast. So, I mean, I would listen to it. Yeah. It's, it's really informative. And I think, yeah, it's, it's important because people, it's not as much in the news lately and it's still, still ongoing, still ongoing. But so this makes me want to talk about, pride month in general people don't really know like what it is and you know it's it um or like where it or- originates from and it's it, it it basically started because it, it commemorates the stonewall riots mm-hmm. that happened here in manhattan in the greenwich village um which happened in june uh june 28th 1969 to be precise yes um and basically so back at back at that time there weren't a lot of safe spaces for gay people to be themselves or be around other gay people because it was illegal to, it was Ill- actually illegal to hold hands, yeah. um, dance with someone of the same sex. And you always had to be wearing like, uh, you, p- a, a p- police was allowed to arrest people wearing less than three gender appropriate articles of clothing. Wow. Like, so they like put a number on it. Yeah. It's like, is this, how, how can you tell if it's like a lady blazer or not? Is it the, the buttons? It, yeah, I think it's the buttons. So, so the police are looking at everybody's buttons. Yeah. And so basically the police raided the bar. They usually, the, the police usually tipped the bar people off because they were the, 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 the bar, the gay bars were owned mostly by like, the mafia mm-hmm. and the mafia would pay off the police and then return the police would give those people warnings that they're about to raid it and in this situation they didn't give the uh the bar uh a warning mm-hmm. and the gay people were just like in queer people were like fed up like not and they fought back and it caused this huge riot and because usually when the raid would start people would just disperse and run away yeah. This time they were like throwing rocks and shit. And it was actually really like a lot of like uh, trans and 
drag queens like yeah. led the yeah, charge. Yeah, isn't it? I I don't want to speak out of turn, but that woman Marsha P. Johnson yeah, yeah, is she, like credited with throwing the first stone, and she's a trans woman of color. I I think it's there's a lot of different yeah takes on it because she's even said that she came later mm-hmm. but she but she did a lot of like she threw like a shot glass yeah at a mirror or something she's definitely it on there she's definitely there <laughs> and it had a big like role mm-hmm. to play there whether that, it, yeah it usually gets like, like downplayed like there was that movie stonewall and it, like they like all gave credit to this like white gay man yeah and everyone's like that wtf yeah <laughs> that, that was unfortunate and there is a documentary about Marsha p johnson on netflix but i after watching it heard that apparently it was like shadily produced like the person who made it kind of like took her life story and took another woman's work and like oh wow I know because I watched the documentary and I thought it was really good and interesting. And then afterwards, someone was like, well, actually, the way it was put together, it was not on the up and up. Oh, and she. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. But basically, it spawned protests, riots. And now and then in 2016, President Obama made Stonewall in a national monument. Yeah. I went to Stonewall on the day gay marriage was legalized just to like. Oh, wow. Yeah. I went there on my 21st birthday. <laughs> <laughs> which in a way was the day gay marriage yeah exactly exactly it was, it was it was a really special night for me i went yeah. home with a hot doctor yeah the whole and then whole nation was like let's get this man married <laughs> <laughs> anyways what is getting you through your week what's Elise? getting me through the week um so i'm not like a sports person what? um crazy if you asked me how football was played i would probably describe the pilot of Friday Night Lights. (laughs) But but that said, I do love when sports teams refuse to go to the White House. I really like it because I think it really pisses off Donald Trump, who's someone who wants to be liked by celebrities and Mm -hmm. who tried to start his own version of the NFL. He called like the American Football League in the 80s that did bad. So... Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, who famously won the Super Bowl and then one of their fans ate horse shit in the street. What? <laughs> oh, my God. You never saw that? No. Oh, uh, <laughs> everyone <laughs> gather around. <laughs> the Eagles won the Super Bowl last year. And I honestly completely forgot. Yeah. So they won and it was like a big deal because sports and (laughs) because philly people are annoying and they won't let you they won't let you forget when they accomplish something great like we're still talking about um ben ben edison where what is it ben franklin ben franklin (laughs) ben edison i'm just messing up all my (laughs) colonial men yeah and that liberty bowl or whatever they call it i don't know triangle yeah i don't know what's going on in philly but anyway they won they won the sports and it was a really big deal because i i don't think they've I don't think they won the sports before and, and Jason Street was paralyzed from the neck down. <laughs> That's mm. from the pilot of Friday Night Lights. Oh. So no one gets confused. <laughs> uh, and there was this video of like a fan who eats horse shit in the street. Mm, no. And it's, I mean, well, they also just like destroyed Philly in general yeah. riding. But one of the things that happened and there was a video of it was someone eating horse shit. Anyway, I don't know where that guy stands politically, but the Eagles <laughs> were, it's either that they had already decided all of them were not going to go 
or a large enough number of the team members were not going to go to the White House because usually the the winning Super Bowl team goes to the White House and they meet the president and the president's like, great sports. And they're like, thank you. And then they, they go back to... I don't know the field or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what I know. Pitch. Yeah, the the yeah the Quidditch pitch or whatever, <laughs> whatever they do. Um, but the Eagles were like, no, or at mm. least a number of the Eagles were like, no, we're not going to go. So then Donald Trump did this thing with, I think he did with the winning basketball yeah, team, the Warriors. Like, the Warriors, when the Warriors were like, we're not mm. going to go. Where after they say they're not going to go, Donald Trump publicly rescinds their invitation, which is another one of the like my favorite moves. Like that's like texting someone we're over after they post a picture with their new girlfriend. Like, <laughs> they like they're married. Yeah, exactly. Like they're on their wedding day, and you're just like our relationship is over. <laughs> <laughs> but so he puts out a statement once again, being like, "Well, the Eagles don't want to come out. They don't want to come to the White House because they don't." they don't love the flag or mm-hmm. whatever. And, and then he's like, he started making comments about how it's not appropriate to even stay in the locker room. So I think it's just, I'm amused basically by the fact that the NFL did this stupid thing where they're banning players from kneeling yes. because they want to avoid controversy. And it's pretty obvious to me that it's only causing more controversy and it's only made yes. these sports teams more activists. And now the president's coming out and saying, yes. okay, staying in the locker room isn't even okay. So yeah. it's like, what are they going to do no. now? And I saw, I saw um, Fox news was covering this and they were showing pictures of Eagles players um, praying before games and saying that they were kneeling during the national anthem. And because they were like, yo, I never kneeled. That's me praying before I played. And I saw that tweet go viral. And so, I don't know. And didn't Tim Tebow, that guy, used to always pray? I think so. Right? And didn't and there was some famous football player. I don't know. I can't remember all their names. They're also like they're either like I don't know, whatever. And if you and he kneeled because he was against abortion and he was applauded for it. What? Yes. I, he was a famous guy. I can't remember who it was. It was some asshole. Huh. And no one like batted an eye. Yeah. And then this happens. But I was also seeing that. It's so he kneeled for like the unborn Americans who will never get to see football. Oh, never get, yeah. <laughs> All of the babies and who will never see football. It's it's true that he, that Trump is basically creating more activists. Yes. And it's, he, he just, it, he's, he's not a smart person, I think. And like, he doesn't like learn from his mistakes clearly. Um, and now like, uh, high paid like really good players are contemplating not playing in protest of like no one hiring Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. And I think there are people who weren't kneeling, who weren't really involved politically, who now that basically they're being told they're not allowed to kneel, you know, like it is, there is a thing where when your rights are taken away, it makes you fight for those rights even harder. And I think that there are, instances of football players i'm sorry also guys if i sound messed up i don't feel well today (laughs) and i am eating a lozenge if that's coming through (laughs) at all um 
I think that fighting, like when your when your rights are taken away, it makes you be like, hey, I want, I actually do want those rights. Though. Yeah, I wasn't using them, but like I still yeah. like, needed them. It's like, what if I'm tired and I just want to take a knee? Yeah, I get a cramp. Exactly. I'm going to put my. Or knee if foot an down. issue comes up that maybe they feel an individual player feels more connected to than the police brutality issue, you yeah. know, like everyone has, you know, everyone has the issues that are most important to them etc maybe for whatever reason police brutality isn't someone's like this isn't the issue i'm going to kneel over but that doesn't mean the issue that they're going to kneel over isn't going to come up later in life and if you just forfeit the right to do it and forfeit the right to use this incredible platform that nfl players have if you just like lay it back and are like yeah i guess i just won't ever speak my mind uh in the context of my job like that's not going to fly either so i think mm-hmm. i i mean I feel like this is just another sign that this whole thing with the NFL is going to backfire spectacularly. And I honestly might get into football next season to see what the fuck these people do. Yeah. I mean, I'll just check Twitter, I guess. I know. I don't don't think I'll watch. I mean, (laughs) clear eyes, full heart. (laughs) Can't Can't lose. lose. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Okay. Uh, let's get into the news. Yeah, let's do of the it. Week. I'll start. Yeah, Brian, take it away. So, as Trump tends to tweet about things that are about to happen, mm-hmm. on Sunday he started tweeting about Paul Manafort again for the first time in a while, mm-hmm. and we're like, "What? Yeah. What do you? What's going on here?" Like, so clearly, and your was, indictment sense starts tingling. Yeah, you're, you're like, like he's, hmm. he's privy to something. <laughs> uh, specifically, he was tweeting. I'm gonna. This is Donald Trump tweeting. As only one of two people left, who could become president? Why wouldn't the FBI or Department of Justice, quotation marks, have told me that they were secretly investigating Paul Manafort on charges that were 10 years old and had been previously dropped during my campaign? Should have told me! Exclamation point. <laughs> he continues. Paul Manafort came into the campaign very late and was with us for a very short period of time. He represented Ronald Reagan, Bob Dole, and many others over the years. But we should have been told that Comey and the boys were doing a number on him, and he wouldn't have been hired. Okay. First of all, Manafort was there during a very crucial time during the campaign. He also was the campaign manager. Yes. (laughs) So it's like, Like, it doesn't matter that he wasn't there for a long time. He was very important. He was there from March till mid-August 2016, and that was during the GOP convention. Um, And also, coincidentally, that's when the FBI probe began. And also, if they told him, they probably would have hired him anyways, because if we can all recollect... Yeah. Obama and Sally Yates warned the Trump White House about Michael Flynn. And despite those warnings, they hired him anyways. Also, so. the FBI doesn't have to do that. I feel like it's like it's an insane claim to be like, yeah, they should have told me about their top secret in me, a private citizen who's running for president. They should have told me about their top secret classified investigation that had not led, yet led to charges. Yeah. Like, that's not how... That works. I know. And you so, get told when charges are brought against someone. Paul Manafort probably should have told him that he like. <laughs> well, like honestly, all they had to do was Google Paul Manafort and see that he was a shady mofo that like had all this like weird Ukraine lobbying. Basically, he was like he lobbied for a pro Putin um, guy. Yeah. Uh, during like a Ukrainian presidency, a Russian and oligarch, a Russian like <laughs> oligarch backed guy, and yeah, he's done like a bunch of 
hotel development deals there and political campaigns. And he was going to use his position as like, he offered to use his position as campaign chairman to offer briefs to a Russian billionaire with ties to the Kremlin and Putin. There is like literally no way that if the FBI, first of all, had jeopardized their entire secret investigation by telling Donald Trump, Oh, Hey, by the way, like, we're investigating Paul Manafort. There is no way that Donald Trump then fires Paul Manafort. And we, as you said, we know that because Obama and Sally Yates both told him, don't hire Michael Flynn. There is an investigation into Michael Flynn and he hired him anyway. So we have the perfect example. Yeah. And so all these tweets happened Sunday and we're like, why? Okay. Why is he talking about him? Yesterday, Monday, it came to light that prosecutors for the special counsel say that while Paul Manafort was awaiting trial, he attempted to tamper with witnesses in said trial. Yeah. Paul Manafort is on house arrest in a $10 million bond. Um, so mm-hmm. he had to, basically what he did is he tried to contact two witnesses. Um, he tried to contact them by phone through an intermediary, which is just like a person. Like he asked a person to talk to a person and through encrypted messaging programs. And he wanted to... So he did secret Ukrainian lobbying work. Do you think the encrypted texting program was WhatsApp? <laughs> like, I have no I, idea. Like, I feel like maybe he was... Well, there's also one called Wicker that I used to buy weed. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I'm, I'm just like, I wonder like what Paul Manafort's Wicker username yeah. is. I'm like, can I... I bet it's just like Paul Manafort. <laughs> it's like, got weed. Also, it's like, okay. Yeah, anyways. And so he... Um, he's a, he's under investigation for money laundering and tax laundering, mm-hmm. right? And so he was paying these Ukrainian politicians uh, like $2 million from a secret bank to lobby for Ukraine and mm-hmm. the EU and the United States. And so what he was trying to do is he was trying... And if he, he... His defense is that he was only doing the lobbying for the secret lobbying in the EU and not America. So that wouldn't be illegal here. Mm-hmm. And so what he did... what. Paul Manafort was trying to do was he was talking to these witnesses or trying to talk to these witnesses and tell them to tell the special counsel or during their testimony to say that he only did the secret lobbying work in the EU. It's so funny to be like, Hey, it's Paul. Uh, (laughs) I was wondering if you would lie to federal investigators for me. Yeah. Can you just perjure yourself? I know I'm on house arrest. I know I'm severely fucked. Another thing about, this is just a point that I thought of when I, you said this about him being on house arrest with a $10 million bond. There are so many people who are in jail right now for like nonviolent offenses or just because they got like picked up for a charge that, actually isn't even true who can't mm-hmm. get out because the bail is set at like $500 and they can't pay it. Yeah. So it's just fucked that Paul Manafort who committed light treason. Like yeah. we don't know can get out on whatever bond he wants. Cause he's rich and he just gets to chill at his house. Also he like, um, didn't get paid by the Trump administration. He was like, I'll do it for free. It's like, wow, that's a red flag, you know? Yeah. And if you don't remember Manafort, other than being the campaign chairman, he is one of the three people in the Trump whatever world that met with the Russian lawyer um, in Trump Tower. Oh, yeah. Natalia Vilnetskaya. Yeah, he was one of those stupid people. On the, he was on that email chain. Yeah, he was on the email <laughs> chain. The one that they like said they didn't have the meeting and then they said it was about adoption and then they lied and then they because they 
because <laughs> Donald Trump released the junior released the emails. Yes. And then they released that statement. Saying the emails that Hope Hicks said she would never get out, but then yeah. Donald Trump Jr. released. Yeah. Then <laughs> <laughs> and then they said that Trump didn't help write that like statement saying that it was about adoption. And then they said he might've weighed in and now it comes out that he actually he did, did it. Yes. They're all such goddamn liars. It's also oh so funny God. to me how much like, like, so Paul Manafort did work for them for free and we were also supposed to, but, and it's like, okay, why would he work for free if he's not actually getting money some other way? Yeah. And then we were supposed to believe that Michael Cohen paid Stormy Daniels $130,000 of his own money, like out of the kindness of his heart. And it's just like, I love that one of their first defenses is like, no, everybody just loves Donald Trump. Yeah. They want to just, <laughs> they just don't need, they don't want him to pay them. They want to pay, they want to pay him yeah. to be their friend. Yeah, <laughs> like, they, we, we just want the orbit. We want to be. Yeah. Like the, the hanging, like hanging with Donald is so great that people are like, you know what? I'm going to do a high level yeah. job. For no Maybe. money. You know what? $130,000 that I mortgaged my house to get, Donald, it's yours. <laughs> Maybe Donald Trump is just so big and so obese that he actually has a gravitational pull. Maybe. But remember, he's actually the exact weight that he needs to be to not be obese. Oh, yeah. According to, to his, Ronnie Jackson or his, no, that's the crazy, the other, the other, his other crazy doctor. I think it, the most recent report did come from Ronnie Jackson. And that was the one that said he's not obese because he's like literally the exact. Yeah. The same doctor weight. who didn't even get to have a confirmation hearing because no. he was drunk. drunk. all the time Because <laughs> he was like wasted, I guess on the yeah. job. And there was like all this like male practice against him. So yeah. okay. he just, he does surround himself by the best of the best yeah for free for free yeah they all work for free because they love him so much yeah um so can i get into some pardon stuff yeah so there <laughs> beg your pardon <laughs> 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 that's cute sorry guys um, <laughs> sorry i loved that. it <laughs> um so while all of this is going on kind of simultaneously with some of the manafort stuff uh, on June 4th, so a day after he tweeted about Manafort, Donald Trump tweets, as has been stated by numerous legal scholars, I have the absolute right to pardon myself. Why would I want to do that when I have done nothing wrong? In the meantime, the never-ending witch hunt let by 13 very angry and conflicted Democrats and others <laughs> continues into the midterms. I just like the quick and others. And others. Because he... Like, because actually the team is led by, like, a lot of noted Republicans. Yeah, like, so Rod he, Rosenstein's a Republican. Mueller's a Republican. Republican Comey's Comey, a Republican. Yeah. Anyway, so now the question arises, and we've all known that we were going to get here eventually, but we didn't know when it was going to happen. Yeah. Is Donald Trump going to try to pardon himself? My vote is... Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because he tweeted this. And a lot of things that he's laid the groundwork to do is like, why would I do that? I don't have any reason to do that. But like, but, I could yeah. if I wanted to. Yeah. So now Donald Trump has said this um, in a series of tweets and interviews. Uh, Trump and his lawyer. Rudy Giuliani. Oh, our favorite. Our favorite. Uh, have basically, Rudy Giuliani basically went and did the whole circuit saying that the president's pardon power is absolute and that he can use it on himself, but that like he won't. Yeah. He even, he even went to say, went on to say that like, I think it would lead to people impeaching him. 
And I was yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. He was like, he actually did say that, but he did also say that Donald Trump, <laughs> that Donald Trump could shoot James Comey and, in uh, the Oval Office and pardon himself and like for not it. be in. Yeah. Oh my. God. Which is which. which Harper's back to Donald Trump's statement that he could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and he wouldn't lose a supporter. Donald Trump wants to shoot someone. I think he, I mean, I honestly, he probably has. <laughs> I like honestly think that, yeah, I, yeah, Donald Trump wants to hunt man. Yeah. The most dangerous, <laughs> the most dangerous game. game yeah. <laughs> like he definitely wants, he definitely wants to shoot someone and not only does he want to shoot someone, he wants to do it in public. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, he wants people to watch. He's consistently expressing this desire. He's into to, voyeurism. For exactly. Sure. He's consistently expressing. And I think it honestly goes back to his like lizard brain. Like I want to be the president so I can be the most powerful man in the world. I want to shoot someone and get away with it because <laughs> that would, then I'm really powerful. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's scary, but it's also like crazy how many, like I think he wants to shoot someone. So yeah. <laughs> Um, so anyway, uh, Trump also tweeted on Monday or no, I think on Sunday that Mueller's appointment was unconstitutional. It was a tweet where he spelled counsel wrong the first time. So he had to delete it and tweet the same thing he again. Has a, why can't he just get counsel right? He no. misspells it all the darn time. I it, know. I know. And it's, I mean, you know, you and would I think get he it. Would, like he probably has something above his headboard because that's where he is at all times in yeah. his bed that just says Council. Yeah. Like, like he's, he's flashcards. He should do. He, I don't, I don't know what he needs to do. I mean, and I can even feel for him on that. I have a hard time with the word harassment, which has been hard yeah. writing about the news mm-hmm. of this year when I can't remember how many R's Embarrassment's are a hard one. Too. Embarrassment is hard. Mm-hmm. Harassment. Definitely you know, beautiful. All if, that stuff. If I, if I was the president, I, I would learn it. I would learn it. <laughs> I would learn it. Or and I, you know actually, what? you know what? I wouldn't tweet. Yeah. Well, that's also true. (laughs) But even as like a newsletter writer, I made it my mission to double check every time I spell harassment. Am I doing this correctly? Do I get it right all the time? No, I still forget. But I know that I don't know. And I take steps to make sure that it's correct when I put it in the newsletter. Mm. Also, there's a spell check. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Also, spell check exists. Um, So a lot of this, basically, a lot of this... It all is showing a new legal strategy that Trump's team is putting together, which is one, uh, President Trump can totally pardon himself if need be, if it gets to that. And two, uh, these letters were leaked. They were sent to the New York Times um, and they were letters from Trump's lawyers that they had sent to Mueller's team um about a year ago and they kind of they give us a hint into what the developing and ongoing legal strategy is and basically it kind of shows that in addition to all this pardon stuff that they're trying to lay the groundwork for they're also trying to say that the president can't obstruct justice yeah um that it's not possible for him to do so basically saying that he's above the law yeah and it's crazy because yeah, the presidential pardon power, as it is written in the Constitution, is pretty sweeping. It's pretty. Uh, they they don't it, they don't explicitly state limits on it. Mm-hmm. One limit that we do have is he can only pardon himself for federal crimes. He can't he can't pardon for state crimes. He can only pardon for federal. So, like 
that's you know that's one thing okay. I, I imagine donald trump does not know that no if i not. if i had to guess i'm sure he, he was he's probably he, he's probably even been told that but he, just he doesn't yeah know <laughs> yeah exactly he was like he was like balls deep in a fish fillet and just like didn't really retain the information and you know. i do mean that he was fucking the yeah. fish fillet. <laughs> um <laughs> so, <laughs> like, but um it so but i mean i think anyone and i'm not a constitutional scholar but I think anybody who thinks about it a little bit can see yeah. that it's not intended to be used that way. No, <laughs> like, and I think Nixon asked if he could do this, if he could pardon himself, and they said no. And then three days later, he resigned. Yeah. So that means maybe he'll be gone by the end of the week. And it's it's interesting because JK. so on Thursday, Trump pardoned uh, conservative commentator and like literal human trash bag Dinesh D'Souza. Uh, he, and, and he's been like messing around with pardoning people. He pardoned Joe Arpaio, obviously he pardoned that boxer, um, Joe Jackson. I don't no. know. He he's, was, a, he's a famous boxer who honestly deserved to be pardoned, but he was a famous boxer who was basically convicted, like essentially for dating white women and being yeah. like too loud about it. And he has not yet pardoned um, Alice Johnson. No, he has not yet pardoned Alice Marie the, Johnson. The woman who Kim K met with. Yes. About. But it's like, he's obviously toying with wielding this pardon power. And I think we could start seeing him pardon. I think a lot of people, myself included, feel like this is sort of a signal to people like Paul Manafort, who haven't flipped, like, don't worry, a pardon is waiting for you yeah. if you have my back. So that's a huge fucking problem. Um, so let's talk about these two letters. I want to actually talk about the second letter first. Um, so the second letter uh, came out on January 29th, 2018. So that was this year. And it was written by John Dowd, uh, who was Trump's lawyer and Jay Sukalow at the time. John Dowd is no longer on the team. Sukalow is. Um, and the letter was basically a response to Mueller's request that President Trump sit down for an interview. And they were like, I mean, TLDR, they were like, no, <laughs> we don't want to. Um, so first of all, they say that the interview request would hampen President Trump's ability to perform his duties, which, which is what if, what is, his duties are golfing and eating McDonald's. Also, I mean, if this is him performing his duties unhampered, <laughs> my God, <laughs> what will happen if he's hampered? If he's hampered in what, any way? What a, what a weird word. Hampered. I know. But I was like, I was like, wait. He's do he's unhampered right now. <laughs> like, oh my god. Um like shit. Okay. Um and then uh this is the letter where Dowd and Sukolo admit that President Trump personally dictated that l statement that Don Jr. released about the Russia the meeting with the Russians where he said it was about adoption. So that directly implicates the president in a pretty serious way. And also, as Brian went over earlier, there's been a lot of back and forth about, uh, you know, first, uh, we didn't have the meeting. No, it was about adoptions. Uh, okay, it wasn't about adoptions. We did say that, but the president didn't write that. These will never get out, all of that stuff. And now we have in writing from his lawyers that he did, in fact, dictate. Which I don't know statement. if just like him lying makes him more than just an asshole slash bad person. Or if it's illegal consequences. I well, think that's yeah. a great area. And I like that's why like I just can't imagine being like Sarah Sanders have like 
she just lies every day or she's lied to every day. And like, how does she not just like hate her life and quit her job? She must have a stringent self-care ritual. Like she has to go home and she's like, okay. I think she screams in a, a, a soundproof room. Yeah. For probably a couple hours. Yeah. And then, and then gets like, out. does one of those face masks and just kind yeah. of like listens to like whale sounds for yeah. like, a long time and then like gets up and does it again. Um, okay. And then the first letter, which is like soups interesting is from Ju- June 23rd, 2017. So like a year ago, basically um, it was, da- that's a month after Mueller was appointed and the letter starts out and it disputes some specifics about what Trump did and said related to Comey and Flynn. So it's basically like, Oh, Donald Trump, like never wanted to, he didn't say that he fired Comey because of the Russia investigation, even though he literally said it to Lester Holt on TV. Yep. Uh, <laughs> we have a video of uh. it. You can watch it. Um, but this letter also makes sort of this broad claim um, that, and let me, I'll read this directly, that there is no statutory or constitutional basis for an obstruction of justice charge against Trump and that the president possesses an indisputable authority to direct any executive branch investigation to be opened or closed. So basically, like, because he's in charge of the investigation, he can't obstruct it because it's at his will. Uh, that he has the power to remove the FBI director for any reason. And that he, and it, this again mentions pardon power. It also says that he has the power to pardon any person before, during, or after an investigation or conviction. So I think this letter really sets up what they're going to say, um, which is basically that Trump can't obstruct justice because he's the president and that he can pardon himself because he has the power to pardon himself. And it's just basically laying out, I think what we're going to see go down very shortly. Yeah. Him trying to pardon himself, pardon the people around him and saying it's not obstruction of justice because he is the highest legal power in the country. And that's just not the case. That's why we have checks and balances. And hopefully like today's a very important primary day. So if you're hopefully you're voting in California and New Jersey, New Jersey and a bunch Um, of other states, California, New Jersey, because that this is why we have checks and balances. And hopefully if he does starts doing these things, he will get impeached. Also, I'm just confused because Clinton was brought up on charges of impeachment Mm-hmm. for obstructing justice. So I feel yeah. like it's like we've already, didn't we answer this question already? The president can obstruct justice. And also yeah. wasn't what Nixon was going to be accused of was going to be obstruction of justice. Yeah. So I, it's just like one of those things where I was like, I thought that we, I we've thought we already this. decided that he can. Yeah, we've covered this. Yeah. So they're just, they're just like gaslighting us basically. Yeah, they really, I mean, they really are. They're trying, they're, they're banking on this the overwhelming nature of all of it to make us forget things that we already know to be true. And they're making, they want us to forget interviews that we've watched and things that we've heard people say and things that we know happened. And it can feel very overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. So get out the vote. Basically. We'll probably, we'll probably talk about the primaries a little bit more on Thursday. Yeah. Um, they're happening right now. Yeah. If you're listening to this, I don't know exactly what time we're coming out or when the polls close, but if yeah. you are registered and you can vote and you haven't done it yet and you're listening to this, you know, go do it. You better, girl. Go, you, you, you better work. Better work. Because listen, 
specifically in California and New Jersey, there are a lot of seats that are up Mm -hmm. that we can take in the house. And California has this really crappy system called a jungle primary where the top two people, no matter what party, advance to the general election. And this is a problem because so many Democrats are running that it might split the Democratic vote. And there are at least one or two counties that we could flip where we might not even get the opportunity to do that because two Republicans might get the most votes just by virtue of the Democratic vote being split. So uh, if you are a California voter and you are voting in one of those jungle primaries, really take some time to look at who are the two Democrats that are in the lead, who are the ones that have the best shot at winning and make sure, you know, Make sure to take a look at that. And I believe that Crooked Media has a really good rundown of they're They're based in California and they're doing a lot with that. Yeah, they're doing a ton. (laughs) And so real quick before we throw to our interview with The Voices 4, stay to Mm -hmm. that. Uh, We're launching a new podcast Monday, June 11th. Yay! Called Everyone's Gay. It's going to be with me and Chris Burns, a.k.a. Fat Carrie Bradshaw. You know him from the Types of Girls videos. He does Crystal on Instagram. He's just... He's the best. He's an all-around hilarious dude. Yeah. And this will be a, a fun, good time. Our first interview is going to be with uh, Philip Cardi. Yeah. He's the chief content officer at Teen Vogue and them. He's Big Dizzle. Um, yeah, so I'm really excited about it. And make sure you stay on and listen to our interview with the founding members of Voices 4. Yep. All right. Uh, until the end of Democracy, I'm Elise Brianos. I'm Brian Russell-Smith. And this was the Betches Sup Podcast. Bye. Hey, guys. Uh, we're here with the founding members of Voices 4, Vinny Mandelaire and Adam Eli. Hey. Hi. Yeah, thank you for having uh, us. Yeah, of course. Thanks for coming. Voices 4 is an LGBTQIA advocacy group uh, based here in New York. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we're lucky to have you guys. It's Pride Month, and you're kicking off our Pride Month series mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, but also, we just got some unfortunate breaking news. Um, yeah, and I think Vinny has some good info on it. What's going on? Yeah, so this morning we learned that in the Masterpiece Cake Shop Limited versus Colorado Civil Rights Commission case that the Supreme Court has been discussing um, that they've ruled against the LGBTQ couple who uh, was just trying to buy a cake. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think what happened was is this couple was getting married, mm-hmm. as people do. Yeah. Um, and they happened to be a gay couple and they went to this cake shop mm-hmm. and the guy was like, or I don't know if it was a girl, I think it was a woman or a man and a woman, whatever. doesn't matter. Bigotry. <laughs> Bigotry <laughs> can be male and female. Yeah. Um, and they said they wouldn't sell them a cake because of, it was, because it was a gay wedding. Because they, well, because they would go to hell if they sold them the cake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the Bible, it says. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Thou that. shalt not sell cake. <laughs> to gays. <laughs> to gays. <Yeah. laughs> I might have ex- missed that verse in Catholic school. Yeah, yeah. that is explicitly stated. The so, gays yeah. may not have treats. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and so, I guess the Supreme Court just made a ruling. Yeah, so... I guess what we know in the activist community is that when people say religious freedom, it really just means license to discriminate. Mm -hmm. It just means I'm going to put my feet in this view so I can, you know, be actively oppressive. Um, So basically this has a few implications for LGBTQ people across the country. And two important points are while this is a wedding related case, it's not, this decision is not limited to wedding related services. Mm -hmm. So an example Mm -hmm. of this could be funerals, um, denying people, funeral services for loved ones who happen to be LGBTQ. Um, And the list could go. We could be here all day. Um, The other thing that's important to note about this is um, 
it minimizes the toll that it takes on LGBTQ people to be yes. denied services mm-hmm. yeah. across the country. It makes it seem like, oh, well, you know, we have these views, you have your views, but the data shows that this has real emotional, mental, and physical health implications, short and long-term for queer people. Um, yeah. and, it, and it also assumes that access to services is, um, is equal as well. It assumes mm-hmm. if you live in a rural area and someone doesn't want to serve you a cake, you can just go down the street and get another one. And we just know that it's not the case across the country. Yeah. And I just know like growing up as like when you're like gay and closeted and you see something like this in the news, it just makes you even more fucking depressed and, <laughs> and less Holy. feel less accepted. So it's just not good on all boards, but yeah. So that literally just happened as we were sitting about to record. And uh, like, yeah. And like, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm feeling sad and dejected and I'm 27. I've yeah. been out for a while. I have a very accepting family and, I'm one of the founders of an LGBT activist group and I am feeling sad yeah. and dejected. So I can't even imagine what someone in school, even who is out is feeling like, how does a queer 13 year old take this news? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel, I mean, I'm, I'm not a part of the LGBTQIA community, but I can imagine that it must be really terrifying to think, oh, if I am, you know, if I present as queer in some kind of way and I go into an establishment, they can just deny me services. It basically makes it seem like anywhere you go, someone could deny you a service at any time, basically. Yeah. 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 And actually, this is a good global pivot because mm-hmm. what we're seeing across the world as and we'll get here, but as queer persecution persists globally, presenting as not straight, white, or not, excuse me, not white, presenting as not, you know, straight and cis and, and masculine in many countries can result in jail time, even if you aren't queer. Yeah. Um, and there are debauchery laws across the world where if you are just acting out in a femme or celebratory way that isn't consistent with gender norms in that country, you can literally be imprisoned. We've seen it happen across the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, across the world. Yeah, wow. um, and what I wanted to say on that is that, I mean, I'm sitting here and I'm like feeling really, really upset, which is a shame because your office is like so shiny. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I like walked into Regina George's bedroom um, in a great yeah. way. Um, but the thing is, I mean, it is Pride Month and I always feel like Pride is a celebration of how far we've come and a recommitment and a time to recommit to the work that we still have left to do. Mm-hmm. And we have had a lot of terrible things thrown at us during Pride Month. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Pulse, the Pulse Massacre yes. happened during Pride Month and we rallied around that. So this is a shame and I am very upset, but it is a part of our history and like there's no better time to get such terrible news like this when we're already all together, like rallying around. I mean, just think about it. We... We're sitting here yeah. with a platform on which we could talk to it, talk about it. Yeah. And so any queer kids out there listening, you are seen and you are heard and you are loved. And we are waiting for you. Come to New York and give us a hug. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. exactly. All right. Well, um, so I guess we'll just pivot an unfortunate pivot. <laughs> um, yeah. So you guys here are because you representing voices for. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just tell us a little bit about it and how you got involved. Sure. So Voices For is a nonviolent direct action activist group. That means that we use, you know, things like protest and petition, sort of traditional forms of activism. And we try to use our voice and our privilege and to lift up marginalized voices within our community. So that can be global people that are suffering abroad, people that are suffering abroad that don't have a voice because their governments won't let them but it can also be people that are queer and suffering here that have their voices marginalized or taken away from them yeah 
Yeah, and to, speaking of that war on pride, what I love most about this group is um, just in the mainstream, so many voices are are minimalized and not heard enough. And this gives us a platform for not just voices across the country, but in the queer community, even here in New York, to make sure we are all being heard the way that we should. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so I know that it, you basically I started around what was going on in Chechnya, mm -hmm. right? Um, and it's not really much in the news anymore, but it's still going on. Can you explain like what's happening in Chechnya and yeah, like what's just happening, what's going on? Yeah, so last April about um, came out reports from from a liberal news outlet um, called Novaya Gazeta. Shout out, we love them. We love <laughs> Novaya um, about about queer people being arrested, tortured, um, ab not arrested, abducted um, in Chechnya. And the reason there wasn't a lot of news about it is because the news over there is so state controlled. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, I mean, let's talk about another, on another podcast <laughs> the way our media is being. Yeah. yeah. Today. And <laughs> Chechnya is a republic of Russia, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. It is. It is in Russia. And um, so, yeah, basically, without supervision, this has just been happening in Chechnya, and there's been no repercussion. No one's been held accountable. Um, and <clears throat> so, Voices Four was founded in response. No one was doing anything. No one was talking about it. And we were like, we need to do something, and we need to talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, a big yeah. thing Adam has pushed is even though we are across the country, across the world, um, we have to stand up for our queer family everywhere. Yes. So the. We started actually by mistake. Um, I heard about what was happening in Chechnya, and there was a lot of outrage online, but there was no tangible action. Yeah, like the strongest thing that there was was a like letter writing campaign. There was it was like sign this petition, and yeah. it's like this is queer genocide. Yeah, and like yeah. a petition I'm is writing the Kremlin. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, they weren't even writing the Kremlin. They were like they were like sign this petition to get Donald Trump to speak out about against this. And I was like, okay, that is not going to work for us. So. Um, I had the idea to march from Stonewall to the Russian embassy. And then we uh -huh. met up with a um, Russia LGBT, which is a Russian queer and post-Soviet group in, um, in New York. Mm -hmm. They told us not to do that because the Russian embassy didn't care mm -hmm. and that we should march to Trump Tower instead. So we did. But about three meetings into planning for the march, it became very clear that we had something much more magical and much bigger and more exciting on our hands. And as a result, the group was formed. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Uh, and something, something, this is something that we've talked about on the podcast because you guys just mentioned, you know, writing a letter to Trump and sort of like who no one's talking about this issue. You know, we've talked about how Mike Pompeo was recently uh, <laughs> confirmed as secretary of state. Yeah. And he's someone who in his confirmation hearing refused to walk back statements he made in the past saying that, you know, gays should not be allowed to be married and things like that. And it's like. We were, we were talking about, you know, how can we expect uh, the LGBTQ people to be advocated for on a global stage when we have a secretary of state who won't even walk back statements that homophobic yeah. statements that he's made in the past. It is un <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> um, it is the exact opposite of the American leadership that I always thought mm -hmm. we represented. And I think what we're seeing in this <laughs> right now in this moment is like, this isn't like a new America. It's just like America revealed and yeah. It's, yeah. it's unbelievable. But you're right. We need, I think that that's a big part of activism. We refuse to, to let someone like Mike Pompeo or any other homophobic leader to like speak for us and represent us. Yeah. Now we are using our platform to say like, this is true of our country, but like, this is also true. And like, 
we are right here. We are not, this does not represent who we are. Mm-hmm. Something really powerful that Vinny said to me in our very, very early days of the group was it was clear that at the time, I don't even think we had a secretary of state. Like this state office was like, the state department was like literally empty. It was just um, like a trash can full of raccoons. <laughs> like, yeah, there was like actually no one in office. Yeah. And Vinny said like, you know, the president is not going to advocate for a queer family abroad. There's literally no one in the state department and that means that we have to do it and Mm -hmm. that is where the legacy and tradition of direct action activism comes from where if no one is going to advocate for you or for your family then you stand up and do it yourself that also honestly to me kind of harkens back to like the aids activism in the 80s when we have the reagan administration who's literally refuses to even like say the word say the word like won't even talk about it so you had groups like act up and stuff Mm -hmm. like that like i see that legacy kind of in what you guys are talking about absolutely and mm-hmm. thank you for saying that we take that as a very big compliment <laughs> mm-hmm. so our group was founded based on the principles of act up mm-hmm. and based on the principles of act up as well as gays against guns mm-hmm. and they are using nonviolent direct action activism to address public health crises where we are trying to use it to address queer phobia around the world mm-hmm. and so we take a lot of pages out of their books um we are also very lucky to call both groups mentors oh, that's um, great we had peter staley come and speak to us which was really really mm-hmm. exciting and yeah the best thing about queer activism is that you do not have to reinvent the wheel and that there are so many mm-hmm. people that want to talk to you mm-hmm. and want to give you advice so whenever i don't know what to do i just go to my mentors at gays against guns mm-hmm. or act up yeah yeah Cool. And so back to what's going on in Chechnya. Um, has there been any like response from the UN or countries about what's going on? Like, are we granting asylum to anyone? What's happening? So, when this started about a year <clears throat> a year ago, and not when the when this violence started, I mean when people started when talking the news about broke. it in the mainstream mm-hmm. when yeah. the news broke, a bunch of countries came out against it. Um, Nikki Haley did speak about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we saw bigger bigger fish across across the country you know i mean across the world angela merkel um heads of heads of state across and hillary clinton when she was running um yeah i was actually talking to someone who works at the un and he was saying he's been there for years and he was talking to one of his coworkers, and they were saying how they've never seen someone like nikki haley like isolate themselves so much from the rest of the world like she's just one person by herself like she's you know like not a part of, like, not willing to do anything to work with other people. <laughs> like, diplomacy. Uh, you know what I mean? I mean, she walked out of... I don't know yeah. if you saw this thing. Yeah. Like, when Palestine started talking. Yeah, yeah she walked out when, like... And, and, like, there was active violence going on and for the U.S. to just walk out and we're supposed to be, like, the mediator of peace talks. I mean, it's ridiculous. And then, I mean... But also the Trump administration has, like dogged her many times like when she came out i'm trying to remember what the exact specifics were but she made some statement, statement. and then they're like she must have oh about sanctions she and was then, confused and, like, and she she's was like confused. I'm, I'm never confused yeah so she's <laughs> just like obviously i feel like her hands i mean i don't know what her hands were going to be doing if they weren't tied but i feel uh-huh. like yeah. they are tied on yeah. a certain extent as well it, it basically just shows the lack of of will of our leadership to do anything on all levels mm-hmm. um one point I do really want to make about Chechnya is that we know that this is still actively happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, earlier this year, Novaya, in, in conjunction with Rusha LGBT, the group we closely partner with, put out a report um, actually detailing what is happening abroad because no one has been able to do that. And it includes um, over, about 70 first-person testimonials that are just like... Heartbreaking. Ripping, heart-wrenching, and it, it drives the gravity of the situation. Do any mm-hmm. of those 
like specifically come to mind right now? So yeah. what we for one of our actions, so our idea is to give to give voices to people who've had voices their voices taken away or mm -hmm. lessened. So um, we had a big protest to mark the one year of the break of the news breaking, and none of the words that were spoken at the protest came from. The only words that were spoken came from queer immigrants, asylum seekers, and people that ex had experienced the violence directly. So we had people wearing masks to like show how voiceless they were. And then people read out quotes from, from the testimonies. And I actually, they're so graphic and so intense that I actually don't feel like they're appropriate yeah. um, to be like saying on the podcast mm -hmm. <clears throat> in terms of like graphic torture and like yeah well, i know there's like exorcisms happening um because it's a, it's a very muslim country right yes yeah. so they so I'm, I'm air quoting for everyone that can't see it's like muslim but it's they're i mean the idea that they're using the the governance in chechnya yeah. is claiming to be muslim but those are not in line with any ideals of any yeah. Muslims that yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they're just, they're to apparently be the leader. Um, he's, he's like totally non-religious and he's just using it as a, an, as an excuse. Well, and he says that there's not even, a, they don't have gay people in Chechnya, his right? Of, his official statement is there are no gay people in Chechnya. And yeah. they've done, mm -hmm. they say that they've done, you know, studies and they've found through, um, what's the word? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. All I know is it's fucking idiotic to say yeah. that. Yeah. Unreal. It's insane. Yeah, it's They've really surveyed the, the nation. None. Mm -hmm. it's so yeah, incredible. that makes no sense. Like a census. Yeah. yeah. Unreal. And, and so they're using the idea, this like idea that they're Muslim as like an excuse yeah. for this hatred. And then when people are trying to receive asylum or come here as immigrants, they're then discriminated against because, again, air quote, technically they're Muslim, even if they're not practicing. And we know how our administration feels yeah. about letting in Muslim immigrants. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have, have we let in anyone from Chechnya? Do you know? So Canada has been really good about it. Okay. Yeah. Canada has been good. And um, I think there are some people in the Netherlands as well. Okay. Yeah. And there are people, the tricky thing about, about asylum is um, if, if, if Chechen queer people move to other countries that have a, a large population of Chechen people, the, the roots of hate and homophobia and transphobia are so deep mm -hmm. that they can still face like, you know, not as severe as abduction and torture, but really severe violence. Yeah. Um, so the surrounding countries, while easier to get to, which is obviously often a requirement for asylum, are not like the best. That's why America is so good because we don't have a huge Chechen population across the country, mm -hmm. and, and people can find a little more safe harbor than if they go to Germany, for example. Yeah, that. Um, so we have no like first person with a face testimonies of mm -hmm. violence that happened in Chechnya. Like, let's say someone did escape and comes to America and is living here. They will not speak at the rally because they can't because it, the hatred ties back to this idea of like family honor. Mm -hmm. So uh -huh. if their family found out that they were doing that, their family could be at risk or their family could like right. send someone to come get them. Right. So you'll never see someone being like, hi, my name is XY. Uh, this is what I experienced in Chechnya. That hasn't happened. Uh, what happened once, but then. Yeah, it happened once. Someone fled to Germany. <clears throat> Actually, there's two examples, but but they but they all back this up. One um, gentleman went to Germany applied for asylum, got denied three times, went back, and he told his story in a huge way. I think it was, it was like a, a public really forum. It was like a press release. Yeah, media outlet. Mm -hmm. And um, as soon as he got back, they put him on national TV mm -hmm. and made him rescind his, his whole uh, story. Air quotes again, apologize. Wow. That never happened. Unbelievable. Wow. Um, and the second is there is someone um, 
who wasn't Chechen was was implicated in all this, mm-hmm. and then and then went to the courts, and that is in court. Um, who knows where that will go, but. So part of this goes back to there's like a shaming campaign around the family as well. And so that's why like people are reticent to speak out. So I guess what we're saying is like if this person potentially spoke out and then maybe something happened with their family or. The (sighs) the idea is that um, there there's a system of honor killings Mm -hmm. there. So. And um, the president made very clear that, like, if either the police will deal with them or the families will. Mm-hmm. So the families have this, like, obligation to murder and kill um, queer members of their own family mm-hmm. to, like, prevent shame. And we know that that has been happening. And they're, they're free of persecution? Pardon? And they, they won't be persecuted for doing this? They're encouraged Honor- to do it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we know from the report that Novaya Gazeta published that this has been happening and something else that's really important to talk about with this crisis is in september when we were first planning the march our partners at russia lgbt said this violence is not just about chechnya it's going to spread homophobia is homophobia and queerphobia is everywhere it's lurking underneath the shadows and Mm -hmm. when other countries see that chechnya is getting away with this without impunity they are going to start doing the same thing and we have seen that Mm -hmm. in uzbekistan in egypt like the violence is literally spreading like a contagious disease that it is through the entire region so things are progressively getting worse in the surrounding area and in russia proper it's illegal to like have public displays of affection if you're yeah, gay. Yeah, it's like to promote that, yeah. to promote gay, yeah, to promote gayness, in, gayness any in any way, yeah. As yeah. of 2013. And yeah. so a lot of these post-Soviet states are essentially Russian puppet states and they mm-hmm. rely on Russia for their resources. And that, so the influence of Russia is huge. And that is where a lot of this like stems and comes from. Let me give you a, a quick side story. So because of this 2013 prop, gay propaganda law, mm-hmm. um, when the Olympics were going to be in Russia, the UN had to, to create a safe space for all queer people attending and, and participating. So they created this thing called Principle Six, which means at the games, the spirit of the games is like everyone's welcome. This is just like a, an Olympic competition. Mm-hmm. Um, so Principle Six basically gives those people that safety. And for um, the Olympics, the Winter Olympics this year, both Russia and Egypt advocated against Principle Six openly in the UN. Wow. Hardly anyone talked about it. Um, but that is the exa- an example of how this is like really spreading. So they advocated basically that like queer people shouldn't be protected at the games. Yeah, they're like they're <laughs> against protecting LGBTQ people at the games very publicly and like in international. Why do we let Russia still come to the Olympics? No, <laughs> like, like and now they're hosting the, the World Cup. You know, so what? it's like yeah, <laughs> like, we have to talk about that, Vinny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, a fun side note. Vinny and I know each other from high school. We played soccer together. Oh, and we no still way. play soccer And we together. still play soccer together. Here in New York. Yeah. Oh, that is fun. Yeah, quick shout out to the New York yeah. Ramblers. Queer soccer is stronger than anything else. <laughs> FIFA, who, FIFA is shook. Yeah. FIFA who? Yeah. FIFA. I just feel like Tanya Harding did one little cheat and she's banned forever. And the Russians cheated so much. And they like... Justice for Tanya, you know? That's, no, just, no, I'm just one kidding. tiny no. cheat, no justice you know? For her. All right. So World Cup, it's 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 just again unbelievable. Um, so there's a Russia is putting out a lot of, of pro, I won't say pro LGBT, but basically for their own image, like a narrative of of acceptance at the games. They're saying you will be fine. We are taking these measures to ensure safety, etc. Um, 
But experts and community and community groups locally are just saying like this is not true. They basically want to present on the world stage. Um, almost as a way to like give themselves cover for everything else that's happening. They want to present as like an accepting country mm-hmm. right now. Um, there have been warnings about even if you go to not hold hands with with someone you love, um, if they're the same sex, because you will just face discrimination on the street. Um, there are warnings about going out at certain times at night, and like that is not <laughs> equality and safety and acceptance. No. That is just. Yeah. Bullshit. Also, we can always trace all this back to money, and a lot of the pra- a lot of the practice fields are in Chechnya, and that's just like tons and tons of sponsor money for the Chechenian government. So, a government that is openly persecuting queer people or saying they don't exist, depending on the day, mm-hmm. and is being funneled money from Russia and from clearly American sponsors. Yeah. Wow. So, what can what can we all do to help these people, these victims and asylum seekers, and just be active. Sure. So if you, I always say, um, I always say that the best way to get involved is to know that there are queer immigrants, refugees, and asylum seekers very, very likely living close to you. It is possible that they are having a hard time adjusting to their surroundings. Being an immigrant in this country is very difficult. Mm -hmm. Being an immigrant in Trump's America is difficult. And then being a queer immigrant is even harder. So I always tell everyone that they should go to their local LGBT center and ask what immigrant support groups there are. And then to show up and say, hi, my name is XY. How can I best be of service? This is what I can do. I can cook. I can really good at social media and mm-hmm. offer your resources to show queer immigrants, refugees, and asylum seekers that they are welcome here and loved. Like it's, it's very easy for us to get overwhelmed by how big and global this issue is and like the type of oppression that we almost forget that there are queer people suffering literally, you know, across the subway from us. Yeah. Like in Brighton Beach, uh, where a lot of people from post-Soviet countries move to, it's a predominantly Russian-speaking area. And there are queer people that are our age that cannot get jobs, that are being denied access to prep, and that are being like beaten in the streets in New York for being queer. And so if we're upset about this issue, there are tangible things we can do to impact what's happening abroad, but also here. And that's really important to remember. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say <clears throat> two things to, to build on that. One is we have our own immigration issues in this country. Um, when we look about DACA, when we look at um, things like temporary protected status being removed from Salvadorans, um, that disproportionately affects queer people. Absolutely. Um, although they may not be um, potentially deported to, to Chechnya, they're being deported to places where they will be treated differently because they are queer. Um, and, and not that we have everything all figured mm-hmm. out here in America, but... Yeah. Um, you know the research just shows abroad. Um, it's just not. It's just not the case. Depending on depending on the country, um, they may re- be returning to, or <laughs> that they don't even know, and that they'll be sent to. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second thing I always say is just like activism is, is so much of what you see these days. But there's so much behind the scenes work. There's so much reading and learning, um, and that's just like sometimes where you can start. So if you're like not sure where to start, just start googling, start going online, start learning, and you will. You will find your way. Yeah. And where can our listeners find you guys online if they want to follow Voices For, they want to see what you guys are up to? Yeah, so the best thing to do is if you live in New York City is to come to our meetings. We meet every single Wednesday at the LGBT Center from 8 to 10. We always say there's no activism experience involved, which we absolutely Mm -hmm. mean. Um, No activism experience necessary. And it's really 
we talk about a lot of heavy stuff and like the room will get really heavy, but then we also have a lot of fun and we always hang out afterwards. Mm -hmm. We go to a fast food restaurant and have community building. (laughs) Um, And you can also find us at voices for underscore on Instagram. And we keep the Instagram page like pretty cute. Yeah. (laughs) Super cute. Oh, great. Love a cute Instagram page. I mean, we know that it's important. Um, yeah. Well, thank you guys so yeah, much for coming so much. in. Thank you for talking us through some of these issues and for processing the breaking news with us. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it was really great to meet you both. Thank you for everything that you're doing. Yeah, thank, thank you, you for so having us. Much yeah. for having us. And yeah. can I end on the note that mm-hmm. um, Voices Forward is basically founded and we operate on one guiding principle, which is that queer people anywhere are responsible for queer people everywhere. And I don't care whether we have cake or not. Mm-hmm. We'll have muffins and we'll still fight for each other. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, all right. All right. Well, all right, guys. Thank um, you. Thank you. All right. Happy all right. Pride. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. Betches.